You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 1165. You have two things of high value. When you walk in the room, you either have money, and some of them don't, or you have time. So those are two valuable assets that can be leveraged when put together. So if you don't have the money, you have to find the right people that do potentially have the money and the capital or the know-how, right? And then you start to give them your time and devote whatever it's necessary within your superpowers, identify what you're great at. You know, I was great at, you know, marketing and branding and helping people get their word and their voice out there. So that's what I gave to people. Then what is it that you're good at? Are you good at analyzing deals? You know, are you good at, you know, talking with people and doing the sit downs, like find what their pain points are and solve those problems for them. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Hello, Rhino Nation. Welcome to the Whole Selling Inc. Podcast. I'm your host today, Brent Bowers, the Landman. Today, I have a kind of a very unique guest. His name is Eric. And Eric actually was working a full-time W-2 job for about 20 years that he absolutely hated. And he's going to talk about some of the things that he was doing to kind of, you know, give himself vices to get away from that pain he was having each day working his job. But he was tasked with laying off 20 of his team members. And then three months after that, he was to lay himself off. Basically, he was being fired from his job. And in eight months time, eight months after losing his job, he did a multifamily deal. It was actually a duplex that he purchased all cash. And he was able to basically burr it out, you know, buy, renovate, rent it out, refinance. But he didn't repeat the process. The next deal he did, which was a couple months later, a few months later, he purchased the second oldest winery in the United States that also came with an 18-hole golf course. So really great episode for you today. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Hey, hey, Eric, how are you doing today, man? Fantastic, brother. So good to see you again and uh, be here. You too. Yeah. I'm excited to interview you and see, you know, I want to hear your journey. I know that you're just like a lot of our listeners. You are the guy that got out of your corporate nine to five job, but you did it a little bit differently than others. You know, why real estate investing? Why was the first one a multifamily? And let's talk about how you kind of went down that path to accelerate and, you know, did even bigger deals after that. So first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself. The next, you know, take 30 to 60 seconds. Tell me about who you are, what you did before real estate. Yeah, brother. Uh, yeah, again, I appreciate you uh, having me on. It was a, such a great chat that we had. So I'm glad that we're able to extend the conversation uh, since we had so much fun on my podcast. But it was, dude, a rat race, you know, cliche in terms of being in uh, my W 2 for over 20 years, graphic design and all uh, of the things that come with it. Like, I was proud to you know, be living in New York City. It was a dream. Seeing my stuff on billboards, seeing direct mail, people get my stuff in the mail. I'm like, look what I'm doing. I'm doing a dream. Uh, can you believe they're paying me for this? <laughs> Fast forward 20 years and climbing the corporate ladder, I realized, dude, that I wasn't happy. Like I was the heaviest I had ever been. You know, I was drinking, I was smoking, I was doing all the, the vices to get away from, from what I felt like 
was a big void. And, and I later found that void was lack of fulfillment. So I'm, I'm driving to my job an hour and a half each way. And I'm supposed to lay off my team. I'm the creative director. I've got about 25 people that I manage. And they're like, dude, we love uh, you and everything that you helped create us. You, you turned a half a million dollar business to, to two and a half million dollars in, in like about a year. Thank you. But uh, we got to let you go. And But the cool thing is you leave 90 days later after you lay everyone off first. So I'm driving to this job. That's the situation. That's the painted picture. And dude, I'm listening to Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad in my car. And I'm punching the steering wheel on the dashboard out of anger, frustration, but mostly inspiration to freaking do something with my life. Because I was like, man, he's pointing out what a dummy I am. I have no financial literacy. I never even heard that term before. And I'd never heard of legacy wealth. <laughs> I never heard of these things. It's like, why don't I know this? So I told my wife, I'm leaving. I'm not going to go back to corporate. I'm going to leave and start a job. She's like, cool. You're going to start a creative agency, which everybody would assume. Like, no, I'm getting real estate investing. She's like, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. So I'll pause there, brother. But that's basically it in a nutshell. That was the aha moment for me. No, I love that. So you are tasked with firing your entire team. It sounds like 20 people. And then you need to find a job roughly three months later. Did you wait that three months or did you just quit that day on the way to work? I, I did my job and I, I laid everyone off until the very last day where I let myself go. I had jobs on the table. I had very big offers. So I was working for the number one pharma company at the time and I was being uh, courted by the number two. So they were always jockeying number one, number two. And the opportunity, bro, this is crazy. Anyone who's listening be like, why would you leave this opportunity? Why would you say no? This was the one of the craziest days of my life. I got the call and they said, hey, we don't have... Imagine the biggest pharma company in the world doesn't have an in-house creative agency. So they knew me as that guy. They knew me as the dude that can help build a, a creative agency inside so they could save a ton of money. And they were like, we want you to come to New York City and we also want you to build one in Chicago. So you're going to be flying back and forth. I'm like, how mm. often? They're like, you got to go to Chicago once a month and stay there for a couple of weeks. My wife was pregnant at the time. So I'm like, my life flash, flash forward. How is this going to work? I'm never going to, I'll probably miss the birth of my child. I thought about it for about 24 hours and I said, no, thanks, but no thanks. And then I came running into the room of all my staff and I'm like, I just said no to this company. I just said no to this company. And they were like, looking at me like I was bananas. I'm going to be a real estate investor. I'm going to be a real estate investor. And they're like, this guy's you lost the mind. Bug. <laughs> they thought, dude, they thought I was completely bananas. I was trying to get them to drink the Kool-Aid. Like, you can come with me. Come with me. We're going to go start a real estate company. <laughs> yeah. No, obviously you weren't happy. You're drinking, you're smoking, you're, you're just finding that. And like you said, vices. So, all right, you let yourself go three months later. What did the next step look like? Now you're jobless and pretty soon you're yeah. homeless, right? <laughs> and I'm not homeless. Uh, we had some assets, meaning like we, we had stock. We had a good amount of stock. We got lucky and we had our home and we had a good amount of savings, bro. Like uh, the question to my wife was, you know, what's our runway? How much savings do we have? And we were blessed to have roughly about a year to two years of savings. So we did the calculations. We were like, okay, our annual nut, meaning like this is what we need to survive is 87,000 a year, right? If we want to sustain this lifestyle. So I was like, oh, that's only like 10 houses. If I buy 10 houses, that cash flow at 10 grand, I'm good, right? And we're financially free. So that was the plan. And uh, my wife said, okay, you got it mapped out. It sounds good to me, you know, do it. And the first step to do is finding who, not how, can help me. Who, not how. Amazing book, by the way. 
Who yeah, I love that. Book. I love Dan's. All right, so who was that person to help you? Number one, it was Bigger Pockets. That was the first place that I found. Number two, you know, in those forums, they're always like, get to the local RIA. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. oh, what is a RIA? Uh, what does that mean? So I got my ass to the first local RIA. And then I started to recognize just instinctually, I should be aligning myself with the people who are in front of the room, the people who are running the show. So I would, I would go early, I would stay late, I would put chairs on the table. And, you know, here I am, a mid 40s guy taking advice from all these 20 something kids, you know, who were flipping houses, wholesaling, like doing all the things I wanted to do. And I was like, how do I learn from you? More humble pie, please, more humble pie. And so I just kept doing that and learning from them and gaining their trust and just started doing stuff for them for free just to add value because I had no value other than my time. So I would yeah. give them my time and help them in their businesses. Yeah. I mean, you're basically retired. You, you had enough runway to, to live about two years, but why wholesaling? What was it? I, I get it. You listen to Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that seems to spark a lot of people. But you know, what was that draw? What was that pull? Because you're going from one career to another. Yeah. What I noticed in the RIAs was every time there was a, a meeting about flipping or a meeting about uh, buying multifamilies or a meeting about wholesaling, the wholesaling, the room was packed, packed, Brent. I, I started to recognize, wow, everybody wants to do this. Why? Because it seems like the lowest barrier to entry, like everyone can kind of figure this part out. So I was like, oh, let me do this. Then I started to learn the process you know, yellow letters, you know, sit downs, picking up the calls, getting my Google number, all those things, I start to realize, why don't I leverage this to just keep those things and not sell them to someone else? Why don't I hold on to it and put a tenant in it? So that's where my mind started to shift. I was going through the motions of wholesaling and doing all the best practices in wholesaling, but my mind shifted from letting it go to actually holding on to it. I like it. So you were just, you were not going with the herd mentality you were going to be the guy that kind of veered off and did something different. That's why I love land is because everyone's going for the houses, the wholesaling houses, the renting out the houses, and no one's talking about land. So what did that first deal look like after, you know, getting laid off? <laughs> and then I yeah. next I want to know is how long did it take to do it? And then we'll kind of backwards plan from there. How did you get it? Yeah, I want to, before I unpack that, I just wanted to share with people that it was really critically important for me to align myself with people who were doing what I wanted to do. First off, trust them and then gain their trust. Then I hired some coaches. You know, I jumped into some education through the Rich Dad brand, which was a fortune. You know, I was like, we, honey, we got to do this. I know it's a lot of money, but it's education, right? I'm going to get my, I'm going to get my degree in real estate investing. So I wanted to surround myself with people that were doing it because it still felt kind of surreal to me. Like, is this a real thing? Is this something like only people like Trump do? So I wanted to find regular people that were doing it so I could believe it and also have my wife believe in it. So once I spent a fortune in real estate education, I realized the RIAs <laughs> was really where I need to go and, and establish relationships. So I hired a coach. He was a broker owner for a very, very big you know brand anybody would recognize. And he would, it was like, um, I was learning how to, I was like a rookie cop and I would sit in the passenger seat and I would go into, on drives with him. And he would talk to me about like, you see that car and why it's parked backwards. You know, they're, they're facing out towards the driver. Mm -hmm. He goes, those, those are, those are renters. I was like, what? Like, he's like, yeah, those are typically renters that park like that. I was like, oh, I had no, I, I told that to my wife. She's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. My coach told me. 
But um, it was those cool things where he was teaching me, and I would I would be with him in the room when he was sitting down and negotiating with these sellers. Is it because um, they're not? Is it because they have an expired tag or something? I have no idea. Truly, like I don't know. I don't remember why he told me. <laughs> I was just fascinated and, and glad to be in the car with him, and he would spend time with me. We would literally have lunch, and he would. Dude, this scene sounds like something out of a movie, but he would write on table napkins, on cocktail napkins. We would analyze deals. And it mm. was one deal after another. He would give me homework and he would say, hey, man, here's a bunch of deals. Now you do the math. And then I got better. Dude, think about it. Creative guy, right brain thinker. Like data, analytics, and math is not my strong suit, but he forced that muscle of me yeah. to exercise that muscle. So I got better and better and better to the point where he was like, yeah, you're, you're ready, Padawan. I was like, oh, thank yeah. you, Jedi Master. And, <laughs> and I um, yeah. point something yeah, out please. too is the belief thing. You know, I used to be a listener of Wholesaling Inc. podcast. For, I was a rhino. I was a rhino nation before, you know, I had taken many courses, many seminars, paid tremendous amounts of money, was in debt. And when I first started wholesaling houses, I had to listen to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast every single day on the way to work. And it, I don't know what it was. I just didn't believe yet that I could do it. And funny thing was, I had already owned rentals. I had already wholesaled houses to pay for college courses, but I wanted to hear the belief. I just wanted to hear other people doing it, other average Joes doing it, regular people just like me that have to brush their teeth a couple times a day and you know just go to work. So I so relate to that is the whole belief thing. Oh, it was huge. And, and we talked about this before the cameras turned on. I was surrounded in the room by 90% or more of people that were trying to get past those limiting beliefs, right? They, they all had a full-time job or they were looking for a job and they saw me acquire. They saw me show up, wet behind the ears, and then within eight months have a multifamily under my belt. And they were like, how did you do that? And then the board of this RIA, over a thousand members, were like, hey, Eric, can you, do a, can you put a presentation together on how you did this? So that's what gave me the confidence. That's what started getting me in front of the room, more visibility. And that's when I started becoming aware of my brand and reputation. And I started preaching about that. And I started now you're the leading expert. by example. You're the authority now. You're the expert. You're now speaking. So eight months, what's a multifamily? How many units? It was two units and it was off market. So out of you know a pocket deal. And my coach said, hey man, before I put this on the market, you want to take a look at it? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So I took a look at it and he was trying not to give feed me the answers, but he kept saying, do the math, do the math. We'd go to lunch right after. He's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I think I should do it, Rick. I mean, think this is this, this work. And he was like, yeah, you're right. You should buy it. <laughs> so we bought it and we were blessed. Like I said, we had a lot of money saved. So I bought it cash. And then uh, you know, I had to evict someone. I had to evict a tenant. The other unit was empty and renovated, by the way. The top unit was was brand spanking new. And then when I finally evicted the, the current tenant, I had to just do a little bit of, you know, uh, car, paint and carpet. And that was it. And then all of a sudden, it was cash flowing $10,000, $12,000 a year. And then I refied it. I bought it for $87,000. So when you say cash flowing, you had $8,000 left over after all expenses? Or yeah, I guess break the numbers yes. down. You bought it for how much? Yeah. Yeah. So we bought it for $87,000 roughly. And then it probably took me two to three grand in terms of getting it up and running, you know, getting the CO, all those expenses. And then, but once I invested that and then evicting, you know, the eviction cost, so let's say, you know, 2,500 bucks. Um, so when you say CO, it was like a certificate of occupancy? Of occupancy, correct. So then once all that was said and done and it was performing, I, I got a tenant upstairs to pay, uh, I think a thousand at the time and downstairs to pay 800. 
So I was getting $1,800. It was already owned. So it was free and clear. But once I put it out there, and I knew a lot of lenders at this point because I was now on the board of directors for this RIA that I had just joined because they saw that I had this ability to command the audience, speak in front of the room. I started running uh, the RIA in Princeton, New Jersey with, with a good friend of mine, Justin. And then now all of a sudden, I became the authority overnight. But being true and honest and vulnerable and saying, hey, I, you know, I'm screwing up along the way. Here's some of the lessons I'm learning. And then... Um, I got some lenders to approach me because they were sponsors. They were people that were part of the group and said, hey, man, I'd love to, to give you some money for that. I'm like, cool. And then they gave me a check for $75,000. And I was like, wait, what is this? I got almost all the cash back within about a year. Okay. So just to recap, you purchased it for $87,000. You put roughly $3,000 in the renovation, a couple thousand in evictions. So you're what, eighty seven, like 95000 into this? And then you have $1,800 a month. And this was all your cash you're using out of your nest egg that's getting right. you by. Now you're getting $1,800 a month on that 90-something thousand. Then a lender approaches you after you've gotten a little seasoning. You know, you have two mm -hmm. good tenants in there and now you get $75,000 cash. And it's time to go do another deal. Is that what it looks like? That was the plan. <laughs> but then, you know, the universe, God, you know, all these other things sort of come to play. So that was, yes, it was supposed to be a burr. You know, I didn't do the last burr. part. I didn't do the, I didn't break, do the repeat. <laughs> break down the burr yeah. for me. I, you know, so it's, yeah, for any of you bigger pockets fans, you already know, but I'll repeat it for anyone who doesn't know. It, burr stands for, so it's B R R R R. And the first B stands for uh, the, the only B to buy the property. Then you have to rehab it, right? And then you have to, so you have to rent it. So you, you rehab, you rent it, you refinance it, and then you rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. So, yeah. So that was the last part that I didn't get to do because I got distracted, <laughs> very distracted. But it, it's a working, it works. Everyone who's done it and has continued to do it for years and years and years, it's a, it's a wonderful strategy um, to build your portfolio. And we don't have a ton of time, but let's go over the second deal that you did. And oh. I want to kind of get into how people can find you, what you're doing now, because the yeah. second deal is like even bigger than this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many people probably can tell a story similar to this and that, you know, you get into real estate within eight months, you know, you have a you know small multifamily. And then all of a sudden, the second thing is you own the second oldest winery in the United States that also has a, a full 18-hole golf course and a 50-room hotel with wine tours and weddings and all the, <laughs> all the businesses that come within uh, those little things. So I'll, that was sort of the spoiler alert. I'll tell you the end and then I'll rewind. So being in the position that I was at this local RIA, I was always in front of the room. And then I was always getting opportunity to speak to big guests. So the, the big guest and became a friend of mine, Bigger Pockets fame, uh, wrote a book called Raising Private Capital. His name is Matt Faircloth. Um, he was a, a guest speaker. And I was the host, the MC of each event. And as I'm in front of the room, someone in the audience who was there to meet Matt and learn from Matt recognized me and my abilities and said, dude, what do you do again? I'm like, I have a company. It's called On Air Brands. You know, I launch and produce podcasts for real estate investors. He's like, help me, help me. And I was like, really? I, that wasn't the business at the time. My business was logos, branding, website, social media marketing, not podcasting. I had my own podcast. Yeah. And I was like, dude, come on my podcast. Let's get to know each other. Before I knew it, he made an offer. He said, help me. Let's start a podcast. I'll put you in the GP of this deal and help me What's promote it? What does this? GP mean? 
It means general partnership. So from, from two levels or from the, the top, you have the general partners that basically own and operate the business. And then you have all the LPs, the limited partners that come in as passive investors, typically W-2s, high net worth individuals. AKA, give me your money and sh- go, go, go be quiet <laughs> for five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trust us that we will make this a performing asset for you. And don't call so, me. Yeah, I'll so, call you. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't call me. I'll call you. Uh, it, it'll work. Trust me. So yeah, it, but it did work. And we're in now three, four years. And we turned this asset that was just in shambles. The bank owned it for many years and didn't know what to do with it. No investor wanted to touch it because they're like, I just want the, the hotel. I don't want the golf course. Or I just want the golf course. I don't want the hotel. Or I don't want the wine. I don't know what to do with this. No, it's a package deal. If you want me, you get the four kids too. hundred <laughs> percent. So it was crazy. And, and I was involved with that very heavily in the beginning, you know, promoting it and marketing it and being a part of it. And, and it turned into a flourishing business. You can go check it out. Anybody can go visit it, especially if you're in New Jersey. It's called Renault Winery and Resort. And it's massive now. It's huge. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing to see play out in front of my, my eyes and my kids' eyes. You that know, is absolutely like, oh, look what happened. incredible what you did in such a small amount of time. You know, and your, your strategy is so much different than everything else. Like, you weren't mailing tons of letters. I, I did hear you talk about yellow letters. I, I was. Oh, I definitely was. But neither of these deals came from that. It was no, just yeah. networking and giving back to the community and the, and the meetup. And, you know, I know you had some strategies too. Like, okay, what about that guy that's listening to this and says, Eric, I don't have money, but I can go to a meetup. What would you say to that guy? Like my yeah. first time, I didn't even know what a RIA was. What do you tell yeah. that guy listening? I always tell them that you do, you have two things of high value. When you walk in the room, you either have money, and some of them don't, or you have time. So those are two valuable assets that can be leveraged when put together. So if you don't have the money, you have to find the right people that do potentially have the money and the capital or the know-how, right? And then you start to give them your time and devote whatever it's necessary within your superpowers, identify what you're great at. You know, I was great at, you know, marketing and branding and helping people get their word and their voice out there. So that's what I gave to people. Then what is it that you're good at? Are you good at analyzing deals? You know, are you good at, you know, talking with people and doing the sit downs, like find what their pain points are and solve those problems for them. I'm gonna go, make I you, can do that for you. I'm going to make you think hard on this one, Eric. All right. Yeah. I also forgot to mention, I'm brand new to this. I have a W-2 job. I have Mm. three children. I just had my third child. He's one month old. And I'm working 13 hours a day for the military. I don't have money. I don't have time. What do I do? Yeah, that's a challenge because you don't have money or time. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't know the direct answer to that. My guess would be that hopefully, if you're working like that, you're, you're working efficiently enough where you can find a way to gain some, some more capital, you know, somewhere where you can begin to, because if you don't have money or time, yeah, then you're stuck, right? That's a, that's a life where you're living paycheck to paycheck and you're just going on a continuous loop. Well, I right? set you so up there has to be... with that question. That was me. I had no money was and you. no time. That was my scenario that I gave, but I had to figure out ways that I could scale And I had to bring on team members very quickly to answer the phones, you know, and some of these were virtual assistants. I'm paying $5 an hour. So I was leveraging people in India 
to send out the letters. And then I had someone that would actually, she just teamed, she's with me today, Jen Wei. She teamed up with me to answer the phone because I was in such a terrible situation. I had no, no money, no time. And had to figure out ways to scale that by sending mail, having someone help me answer the phones. And I was just the guy putting pieces together. So no, I appreciate that. I was just curious what, what you would come up with there. Yeah, I well, I was going to answer before. And thank you for sharing that um, solution. And, you know, it was you. But I did realize that with influence, you can find people that are are willing to jump into your circle and help you. So I got a bunch of people that would come from the RIAs show up to my house and help me handwrite envelopes for those letters that were going out. And they, I wouldn't pay them a dime, not saying that 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 was my intention, but they volunteered their time. I just want to be around you. I want to learn. Here I am. I just learned myself, but always remember you may think you don't know anything, but you're one rung above someone else. As you climb that ladder, there's always someone just a little bit below you. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed is king. And you projected a confidence that these people wanted more of. And I had no influence when I got Jen and Malika to join me. But what I did was I laid my my deck out. I laid my cards. I said, here's what I have. Here's what I've done. Let's grow this. And I I was just so honest. Like a lot of people fake, like we we talked about fake it until you make it. Like, I don't believe in that. You know, you can be confident. You can say what you've done, but here's where I'm going. You know, it's like, come with me. And you start marching and look behind you. Hopefully, they're following. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. People will follow confidence. You know, I think that's where that whole con man phrase comes from, right? Like confidence man. But if you're genuine and you're true and you're honest and you're not trying to dupe people, hopefully you can gain enough support. You know, like the first person to support me was my wife, right? She understood like my, gl- my plan and my goal and getting this off the ground would require my time and our capital in order to get it off the ground. And it worked, you know, we, we were blessed that it worked and we, because we've seen other people do it, right. We've seen the work and, and the people that it didn't work for are the ones that gave up. Yeah. They That's gave up or they were not able to sell the toughest person, which is usually our spouse. You know, if we can't sell them and they don't support it, it's not going to be successful. I mean, you, you could get it successful, but if they're not supporting it, then there's probably going to be a division with you to like your, your paths. Well, Eric, you kind of have taken a different turn on things. I heard you mention that you do podcasts for real estate investors. What does that look like now? How can people get in touch with you and also mention your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that, Brent. Thank you. So it's, it was a long road to get there. Um, and it wasn't by design. Like I, like I mentioned, it was a traditional podcast, a traditional, a creative agency, which now transitioned over to a podcast agent because the market demanded it, the market wanted it and it was on the rise. So, and I knew I could help people because I was doing it with my show entrepreneur circle. So what we do is we, we find people who don't necessarily have a brand. They know that they need one. Because your brand online, your personal brand especially, is your online reputation. And if you don't have the digital breadcrumbs that lead to you, how are people going to know you exist? How are they going to give you their money? How are they going to invest in you? How are they going to do anything with you? How are they going to even get to know like, and trust you if you don't even put yourself out there? So when people who've realized that come to me and they go, dude, help me to put myself out there. And we do that through a podcast, which gets put out weekly. And those weekly podcasts get chopped into micro content. So all week long, you're getting put out there so people can find you, realize what you do, the value that you provide, how you help them. 
And it's, it's a wonderful vehicle, dude. I've never seen anything like it uh, in order to start establishing yourself in an industry. That's incredible. And I so agree with it. I, I just had a family office reach out to me and they said, look, we have about 20 million. We'd like to start investing in your land deals. And it, mm. that would have never happened if it wasn't for 191 video reviews from our land buyers and our land sellers and things like that, podcasts and social media. So yeah, put yourself out there, paint that positive picture. And there's, there's going to be people out there that might paint a negative picture for you as well, but you can get ahead of that with, with just getting on the podcast and chopping out up the, uh, you know, just like you just mentioned there. So where can people get in touch with you? How can people yeah, find brother. you? So for anyone who, who appreciates your podcast and they're like, hey, I want to be a guest on it someday. Also, if you are a podcaster listening to this, I've accumulated all the tips and tricks and things and lessons that I've learned through failure on this document, which I want to give to you. Which So if you go to my website, eric, with a K, E-R-I-K, cabral.co slash guide. So ericcabral.co slash guide, you'll be able to download the free PDF there that gives you all the tips that I've learned about how to be a best, the great podcast host or a guest. I love it, Eric. Thanks so much for sharing. You know, and the biggest thing I was hearing was you went into this with confidence. You you showed up to those meetups, you showed up to the RIA and you contributed. You did a deal fast. You didn't just go and ask a ton of questions. I mean, you might have asked a bunch of questions, but you got it done in eight months. And then it turned into one of the the largest, the second oldest wineries in the United States and Princeton, New Jersey. Incredible. So you went out there, you what you just started making things happen. And I see that from the very beginning, that confidence level that you had. So my hat's off to you. Rhino Nation, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're looking to get started, you know, reach out to Eric. If you're looking to start a podcast, reach out to Eric. And maybe you just need to get your stuff out there and be you know, more active in your community with what you're doing in real estate. And if you're looking to join one of the fastest, most aggressive real estate training programs out there, I want to introduce you to the Land Sharks. Head on over to wholesalinginc.com forward slash land, fill out the application, schedule a call, and I'd be honored to hold your hand and teach you and show you how to build a land investing business that will serve you and your family and others. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time. God bless. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.